0: In your Bibles, please turn to the book of Hebrews, the end of chapter six. Uh, we're reading uh, verses thirteen uh, through twenty in uh, Hebrews, verse uh, chapter six, and uh, you'll notice that uh, verse twelve uh, speaks of the uh, promises that uh, uh, the people of God inherit, and. Uh, verse 13 picks up the uh, idea of uh, those promises. And this uh, section of uh, the book of Hebrews is kind of an interlude. And uh, at the end of this interlude, uh, the writer to the Hebrews is going back to uh, the theme of Melchizedek as uh, the great high priest of God and Jesus Christ as the great high priest of God. And so in verse 20, uh, you see uh, Melchizedek is uh, mentioned. Uh, so that, that little bridge uh, we have uh, in the text. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. Hear God's Word. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abram, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For, the people, for people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this, and we could read it, we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you. Uh, For this, Your Word, Uh, we pray now that You'd be pleased to bless it to us, and uh, we pray that uh, we might uh, realize, uh, Father, that Jesus Christ is uh, the anchor of our souls and of our lives in heaven, and we pray, Lord, that You will uh, cause us, by Your grace, to trust in this Jesus as the anchor of our souls. So bless us, we pray, to this end we ask in the good name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Anchors away, my boys, anchors away. Anchors away. When a ship weighs anchor, that means that the anchor is being brought up from the bottom or from the floor of the sea so that the ship may proceed on its way or on its journey. And the uh, command is given to weigh anchor. And when the anchor is brought up, uh, the, the response is given to the, to the captain. Anchors away. In other words, the ship is prepared to go forward. And the word away is A-W-E-I-G-H. Way. (laughs) Not away, uh, as we might suppose. Uh, uh, The anchor. And uh, the text gives us the metaphor of the anchor. That the anchor is the anchor of our soul. This is the point of the text. And that as a ship is uh, anchored or uh, uh, held in position by an anchor so that the currents of uh, the uh, waters or uh, the winds that come along will not uh, push it off of its position, Uh, So, uh, Jesus Christ is an anchor for your life and my life so that uh, the currents and the waters of this life when they come along and uh, the contrary winds and storms of this life uh, when they come along, we will not be tossed to and fro. Uh, This is the idea in the text. And as a result, you and I are called upon to trust in Jesus Christ as the anchor of our souls or as the anchor of our lives. And that's the point to which we are going this evening. Trust Jesus Christ, who is the anchor for your life or the anchor for your soul. Uh, The text begins uh, with Abraham And the promise given to Abraham. Verse 13, For when God made a promise to Abraham, and the promise that was made to Abraham, of course, was the promise, In you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Or the shorter version of the same promise, In you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And as we just sang in Psalm 105, that promise was given not only to Abraham, but it was transmitted to Isaac in you and in your seed. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. And it was also transmitted to Jacob in you and in your seed. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Paul tells us that clearly... Uh, that the seed about whom the promise speaks is uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, from this, uh, we take that uh, this promise uh, given to Abraham is the promise of the gospel. Uh, years ago, sitting in a, a Sabbath school class in uh, North Hills in Pittsburgh, uh, the fellow who was teaching the class was uh, reviewing some of these promises And he said, it sure would be nice if the New Testament showed us clearly that these promises related to the Gospel. And I said, well, the New Testament does tell us that these promises relate to the Gospel. And in fact, the New Testament tells us that this promise is the Gospel. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. So keep your finger there in Hebrews. And I'd like you to look at Galatians 3 8. It's a significant text. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel. "...beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed." You see, there's the promise. And it's quite clear that the Apostle Paul is telling us, and through the Galatians telling us, that this promise is a statement of the Gospel. And so when Abraham believed the promise, you see... Abraham was, in fact, believing the gospel, the same gospel that you believe, the same gospel uh, that I uh, believe. Now, uh, what we find is that uh, after the sacrifice of Isaac on Mount Moriah, God confirms uh, this gospel promise with an oath uh, so we read on in uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Uh, the oath is in verse 14. And if you read it in a Genesis, it would be Genesis 22, which rehearses the sacrifice of Isaac. It would be, in blessing, I will bless you. And it's after Abraham sacrifices Isaac that God comes to Abraham with this statement with this oath. And uh, uh, the scene in Genesis 22 is quite striking because uh, Abraham, of course, had uh, been given the promise that in his seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Uh, The promise came to Abraham when he was 75 years old. And uh, it was not until Abraham was 100 years old that Isaac was born. So 25 years later, he's waiting on God, patiently waiting on God with regard to the promise. And now in Genesis 22, Isaac is a young lad or a young man, and God comes to Abraham and tells Abraham that He wants him to sacrifice his son, his only son, the son whom he loves. And Abraham dutifully, believing God, uh, cuts the wood for the sacrifice and places it on the back of Isaac and the two of them go to the designated place, Mount Moriah. And on the way, uh, Isaac uh, turns and says, my father. And Abraham says, yes, my son. And Isaac says, uh, we have the wood for the sacrifice. But where? Where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide the sacrifice, my son. So they go up to the mountain and Abraham binds his son and places him on the altar. And he takes the knife and he's prepared to slay his son. And an angel of the Lord stays his hand And Abraham looks and caught in a bush is a ram that Abraham takes as a sacrifice in the place of his son. And Abraham would have gone through with that sacrifice. Abraham would have gone through with that sacrifice because Abraham believed in the resurrection of the dead. And Hebrews 11 Hebrews 11 and verse 17 indicates this. By faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his son of whom it was said, Through Isaac your offspring shall be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so it was that Abraham trusted God to the point that if necessary, God would raise up his son Isaac from the dead in order to fulfill his promises. And so it says in our text back in Hebrews chapter 6, Thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Isaac there, a son through whom the promised seed would come and Abraham believed God and in principle he did receive the promise of God and it's amazing is it not that these words then in Hebrews 6:14 surely I will bless you and multiply you are an oath an oath sworn by God after Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac. An oath which is added to the promise of God. And uh, you have to ponder this a little, uh, do you not? Because here the unchangeable God who set forth an unchangeable promise, an unchangeable gospel promise, adds to that unchangeable gospel promise, an oath. The God who cannot lie adds an oath to that unchangeable promise. In blessing I will surely bless you, God says to Abraham. And so we read on in the text with regard to this matter of an oath, verses 16 and following, for people swear by something greater than themselves. And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which He, it is impossible for God to lie. Uh, we do have to ponder this a little. Uh, we're all familiar with uh, the idea of uh, taking an oath. Uh, those of us who are married uh, took vows. Uh, and uh, in the traditional wedding ceremony, uh, there is... a vows that are said to God, and then there are vows that are exchanged between the parties who are uh, getting married. Uh, As we have just uh, uh, come through this election season, we know that uh, elected officials uh, take certain vows, and uh, it's very striking to see uh, these vows being administered. And in this case, at the end of uh, the the, uh, vow that is taken, uh, there's an oath appended, so help me God, so help me God. And uh, it's important to take uh, these oaths and vows uh, seriously. And the writer to the Hebrews rightly uh, tells us that uh, for people, Uh, Verse 16, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath. The Gospel promise, friends, the unchangeable God, To that gospel promise, the unchangeable God added an oath as confirmation of that gospel. And He's saying, in essence, to you and to me, you can take it to the bank, this is sure. And why? Why? Uh, Thereby, because of uh, this oath appended to the promise, you have strong encouragement to cling to the hope that is given to you in the Gospel. Listen to the text again. uh, Verse 16, for people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by the, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who fled to Uh, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We who have fled to refuge have strong encouragement because the unchangeable God has given us an unchangeable promise and appended to it an oath and He cannot lie. And thereby, we have encouragement. We who have fled for refuge. We have fled to Jesus Christ for refuge from the wrath of God. The wrath of God is due to you and to me for sin and yet In Jesus Christ we flee to Him and we are under the shadow of His wings and there we have a place of refuge from the wrath of God. We who have fled for refuge, as the writer to the Hebrews says, have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Jesus Christ not only... Died to pay the penalty due to you and me for our sins. But on the third day, He rose again from the dead, the first fruits of the resurrection. And as He rose from the dead, this is your hope, the resurrection. It's not just that When you die, your soul is going to go to heaven and be made perfect before the living God. But your body, resting in the grave, awaits the resurrection. You don't have to go far in our own city as it's true in every city. You don't have to go very far to drive past a cemetery. And there they are, all uh, those graves. And it's traditional that uh, the headstones of the graves face east to the rising sun in anticipation of the sun of righteousness coming again to raise the dead. This is the hope of the Christian, the bodily resurrection. And because the Gospel promise is appended with an oath, you and I have double encouragement, uh, we could say, strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope of the resurrection which is set before us. And this hope is an anchor for your soul. Verse 19 We have this hope. We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. A sure and steadfast anchor. You are rooted and grounded by the grace of God in the foundation of Jesus Christ. And He has given you a hope not only in this life, but in the life to come. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. And of course, the reference is to the Old Testament tabernacle. And if you were able to enter into the tabernacle uh, into the holy place of the tabernacle, on your left you would uh, see the candelabra glowing. And on the right, you would see the table of showbread. And before you would be the altar of incense. And morning and evening, the priest would enter into the holy place and trim the lights on the candelabra, and burn incense on the altar of incense, uh, representing the prayers of himself and the people. And then once a year, the high priest would enter behind the second veil into the most holy place, There before the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant, the cover was called the Mercy Seat. And two angels extended over the Mercy Seat. And the High Priest would put blood on the Mercy Seat to make atonement for Himself and for the people. He would represent the people before God. And of course, all of this foreshadowed Jesus Christ, your great high priest, who didn't enter an earthly tabernacle, but He went into the true tabernacle in heaven, into the very presence of God. And there, he represents you and me. And as the last verse in the text says, He is our forerunner, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's not only that you have an anchor for your soul in heaven, in that inner sanctuary, in that holy place where Jesus has gone, but He has gone as your forerunner. And this means He has gone before you to prepare a place for you. You remember what Jesus says in the Gospels. I have gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again so that I may take you to Myself, so that there you may be with Me always. And this is what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. He has prepared a place in heaven for you. You have a reservation in heaven. And of course, when you call the hotel and make a reservation, and you give them your name, and it is a reservation that's made in your name, it wouldn't be a reservation otherwise. Uh, uh, They want uh, you to give them a credit card number uh, so that... Uh, the uh, reservation is guaranteed. Uh, Well, there's no credit card number that's uh, given in this case. It's the blood of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ Himself that guarantees your reservation in heaven. He is the anchor of your soul. This is what's so significant. And you see, in the end, you and I must trust Jesus Christ As the anchor of our souls. And the word soul, very often in the English versions of the Bible, is simply translated with the word life. In other words, it's not just the immaterial part of your being that Jesus Christ anchors in heaven. It's your whole being Jesus Christ anchors in heaven. Body and soul. And at the resurrection, you will be changed. And you will be made like Him. And the reservation can never be canceled. This is part of the significance of it. You are are bound to Jesus Christ. You are united to Him and you are anchored in heaven by Jesus Christ. In the 27th chapter of the book of Acts, uh, there's a record of a shipwreck. And... Uh, It's the Apostle Paul being taken uh, uh, to Rome. And uh, the ship in which he is taken through the Mediterranean encounters a great storm. And uh, during one night uh, in uh, the book of Acts, it's recorded that uh, those on the ship uh, throw out four anchors uh, uh, out the stern or the back of the ship. Four anchors. Uh, One is not good enough. And uh, the the idea is to uh, stabilize the ship in uh, this great storm uh, that is taking place. And they throw out their anchors and they wish for (laughs) morning. This is what the text tells us. And when uh, dawn comes... uh, uh, they're able to perceive, uh, it looks in the distance, uh, as though there's a, a bay and uh, there's a beach. And uh, the sailors think to themselves, we can make it, we can make it to the beach. And of course, part of the reason they wanted to throw out the anchors is they had already perceived that uh, they were entering more shallow water and they didn't want uh, to wreck the ship on the rocks. Uh, But uh, when they saw the beach and the hope of the beach, they cut the anchors and uh, they sought then to reach it to that beach. Uh, But they failed. And the ship crashed on the rocks and was broken up on the rocks. They cut the anchor and wrecked. They cut the anchor and wrecked. Friends, Jesus Christ is the anchor of your soul in heaven. And You are so connected to Him that that anchor will never be severed from you so that you suffer shipwreck in the storms of this life. And Jesus Christ Will never sing to you, anchors away, my boys, anchors away, my gals. See ya. No. No. Never. And when, when the storms of life come. Those storms will not be avoided. They will come. But you have an anchor, strong and sure. An anchor in heaven. Jesus Christ, Your great High Priest. And when death itself is near. You and I will not avoid that time. You and I must trust Jesus Christ as the anchor of our souls so that in passing through the portal of death, Itself, We will be victorious in the resurrection. This is your hope. And Jesus Christ is your anchor in heaven. Trust. Trust Jesus Christ who is indeed the anchor of your soul. Let's pray. Father, it's good for us to be reminded of these things, and to lean upon You, and to lean upon Your Word. And we pray that Your Word will be so worked into our hearts, that we indeed will have uh, this faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So work in us, Father. Uh, uh, Whether uh, that faith is uh, weak and feeble, whether it's absent or whether it's a little stronger, work in our hearts that trust in Jesus Christ. So that no matter the things that may come against us, we may simply rely upon Him and acknowledge Him as the one who anchors us in this world and in heaven, surely and completely. Bless us to this end, we ask, in the good name of Jesus Christ, the Lord, we pray. Amen.